Well, the last couple of uh, weeks, I've tried to read a couple of uh, different books, uh, some of them about uh, your first hundred days as a pastor, a new pastor, and there's great advice in those books, things like uh, don't change, thank you, sir, change anything in the first 90 days except your underwear. I've tried to keep that uh, so far, so good on that one. Uh, Other things, uh, you know, just advice along the way. I read a story about a pastor. His very first first Sunday was coming, and uh, it was in Georgia. And uh, at this little church in Georgia, there was this huge tree that overhung the the sanctuary, and it was just limbs everywhere. And the pastor said, before we hit that first Sunday, I'm going to get... I'm going to cut that tree down because it's just in the way. It's an eyesore. So he gets out there, wah, wah, cuts the tree down. They call it an emergency board meeting uh, because that tree was planted by John Wesley. Uh, <laughs> when he came through in his, uh, his uh, journey there and uh, did not see his first Sunday. He was gone <laughs> before his first Sunday. And so I was thinking, you know, what are some things that could get you canned pretty quickly? You know, in this position, started brainstorming. I'm floating it out to a couple other people. So people have helped me. Uh, one thing, take away the donuts. Get rid, if you got rid of the donuts, then, man, I don't know if we would, we would make it. Uh, another thing, you know, Pastor Jeffrey used to do a series, uh, Psalms for the Road. What if we did Song of Solomon for the Road? Uh, that could be pretty awkward the first summer, uh, but entertaining. Uh, let's see, what's something else we could do? Switch service time come September, August to 1 o'clock in the afternoons. That would be a tough one. Or what if we just go ahead and just require everyone suits every single Sunday? Dresses, remember those days? I will tell you... I only suited up today because it's kind of a special day, and it's also pretty nice to have a lot of like sweat and stuff going on underneath this jacket, and no one sees it. No one sees it. It's great. Don't worry. This will be the last time you probably see this jacket unless, uh, unfortunately, you're going six feet under somewhere, okay? But I wanted to think uh, this morning about someone else that started his ministry. First sermon. This guy, uh, you've heard of him, Jesus. Uh, the similarities between he and I are, are not, the list is very short. Beard, early 30s, uh, sort of. But that's, that's about in the comparison. In Luke chapter 4, if you'll grab your Bible and turn that way. Luke chapter 4. Jesus, in your mind, kind of get there. He has uh, just now started his ministry. He just came out of the desert, temptation with the, the, with the devil himself. And he finds his way. He's begun to start his ministry. Momentum has started. But this is kind of his first recorded sermon that we have. And he goes back to his hometown in Nazareth. And uh, he's there in the temple. And uh, this is what we find in, in Luke chapter 4. He gets there, and they hand him the scroll. Now, we don't know. We don't know that day if they handed it to a certain spot or if he found this spot particularly. But this is what Jesus begins to read as he stands up to read the word of God. He says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so he reads this this scripture. And when that scripture was read, people heard it, and they remembered the stories. I don't know if you remember stories very easily, but when I get together with friends, we like to tell stories. Last week we were at a a golf tournament that we go to every year uh, with four of my college buddies, and we tell stories when we get together. And we remember stories from way back when we were in college. And usually those start off, remember when, remember the time when. And we only need need to say about three or four words into that story. And suddenly you remember the whole story. And so my favorite one to tell is my friend Mark, the time that he chose to play golf instead of picking up his girlfriend from the airport, uh, which the relationship lasted about as long as that golf game that day. 
And the details of that story are a little fuzzy, but who lets facts get in the way of things? They're disputed. But when we start that story, we know exactly what we're talking about. When this scripture was read, these first two verses, people suddenly remember, okay, that's the story that dad used to tell. That's the story that dad's dad used to tell. That's the story of his dad used to tell everyone. And suddenly like, oh, okay, I remember now. So he just has to read these two verses, really. And minds begin to fill with images and things. And this story of hope, hope in a very difficult time. When this was first read and prophesied in Isaiah, there was a time of exile. There was a, was a time of, of slavery. And people were under oppression. And that seems to be kind of consistent in, in our, our history because it was present day as well. We see this brokenness. We see these people that are blind and are, are captured in different places in darkness and by evil. We see brokenness all around us in our world. You don't have, you don't have to look very far. I, these, the words of, of Bob Dylan's song, Everything is Broken. Bob Dylan, I don't know, kids, you, if you know who that is, I had to look him up because it's way before my generation. <laughs> but most of you in the room can understand and know who he is. But Bob Dylan wrote this song, Everything is Broken. Maybe you can sing it in your head. But he says this, Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads and broken springs, broken idols, broken heads. People sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use jiving. Ain't no use joking. Everything is broken. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. It seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hits the ground. Broken Cutters, broken saws, broken buckles, broken laws, broken bodies, broken bones, broken voices on broken phones. Take a deep breath and you feel like you're choking. Everything is broken. Every time you leave and go off someplace, things fall apart to pieces in my face. Broken hands on broken plows, broken treaties, broken vows, broken pipes, broken tools, people bending, broken rules. Hound dog howling, bullfrog croaking, everything is broken. When we look in our world, things are broken, folks. People are broken. Relationships are broken. Hearts are broken. That's a symptom that was back in Israel's day, in Jerusalem, and right here in Houston. Lives are broken. We see that, and I just jumped and saw a few stats about how in our society now depression rates are skyrocketing up. Suicide rates are increasing. The, the number for uh, people that are taking antidepressants from, the 19, from 1998 the stat has now gone up. The, the number of subscriptions, subscriptions, prescriptions, prescriptions are up 400% from 1998. People feel lost. They feel broken in darkness. We see that everywhere. And we try to fill that with different things. The actor Jim Carrey said this. I think it's a great quote for us today. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. We live in a society, a place where if I just had this, if I just had that, then everything will be fixed and everything will be right. And we see it in horrific ways across the news and personally in families along the way. But this day was different. This day was different. When Jesus read those words, let's see him again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up, to fix the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for those who are captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. And what Jesus was saying then and what happened next was a mind blower, a, a deal breaker, a world changer. What he did was he set the scripture down. He handed it back to the attendant and he sat down and he preached a very, very short sermon. And he said, 
today. What you have heard in your presence, it is fulfilled today. He's saying the kingdom of God is here. It is on us. It is on, folks. The kingdom of God is here. And that means there's freedom from the captives. That means the, the blind will see. That means hearts will be fixed and mended, relationships mended. It's a beautiful scene. I don't know if people know what to do then when Jesus just sat down and just said, hey, the kingdom's here. You've heard about it. You've heard the stories. It's on, and it's on right now. And it all started then. The kingdom flooded the earth, and Jesus began his ministry. When he said this, this was this picture. This gives us this scene. The people could remember back to this story of the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was uh, this one, a part of our, our, our history and part of Israel's history that basically said every 50th year there would be this release of prisoners, release of people that were in bondage. Just like the Sabbath was the seventh day on Sunday, there was a day that we was a day of rest, and on the 50th year was a day of release, or year of release. And so people who had accumulated debt, people who had lost lands, had lost things, who had lost uh, their freedom along the way, suddenly in this 50th year, in this year of Jubilee, there was a, a horn that was blown, and everyone suddenly got to be free. Everyone, all those debts were now wiped away. All those who were now slaves were now set free forever. And it was a redo, a start. And so when he's preaching and speaking about these words from Isaiah, that's the image that people have. I, uh, I love when kids are on stage. I've told our, our kids department, anytime that we can get kids on stage, let's do it because it provides comic relief in some way. Every single time it happens, uh, some kid is going to say something funny into a microphone. He's going to pick his nose. Uh, you know, something's going to happen that's going to be funny. I remember one Sunday we had bells. I remember the bells playing. And I believe it was Ethan Pinner. Uh, and he is he's standing there with his bells, and he's just he's ready. He's excited. He's just waiting for that card to go up. And every time his color card went up, ah, 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 I mean, just all over the place. And then he'd come back, ah, and he was everywhere. And you look over at his dad, and he's like, ah. <laughs> it's great. It was great. I love that image of just announcing it's here. I don't know if you know this, but there's this famous bell, uh, this Liberty Bell that, that rang on July 8th of 1776. Yes, 1776. <laughs> Robert was coaching me through. He's like, yep. Not, not, got it. 17. 1776. It rang a couple of days after the First Continental Congress. They adopted the Declaration of Independence. It rang because that was the day they were going to read for the first time the Declaration of Independence. Do you know what's on that Liberty Bell besides a giant crack in the middle? Yeah, I know that's there. There's a Bible verse on the bell. You know what the verse is? It's from Leviticus. Leviticus 25, the year of Jubilee. And this is what it says. Proclaim liberty throughout the land. And to all the inhabitants, therefore. It was an announcement. It's an announcement of freedom, of liberty. And that's what Jesus was announcing that day. Today is the announcement of freedom. Today is announcement to the world that there's freedom. I love announcements. Announcements are fun. In fact, people are kind of getting uh, a little creative in the announcement world uh, with weddings and babies and all kinds of things. Have you noticed when, when we were kids, they didn't do that kind of stuff. But now they have the instant Twitter and all the other stuff. And uh, they have just fun ways to make announcements about uh, kids. The answer is D there, by the way. It's a baby. Um, here's a couple of others that we had. Uh, I don't know if this is breaking news for the show, Walters, but... Uh, It was March 2014. <laughs> you got this guy. Yeah, yes. They're kind of fun. There's uh, the, there you go. Some, some people can relate to this. All right, this is my favorite one, I think. Uh, ice, ice, baby. 
Vanilla, ice, ice, baby. Come on. That's funny. That's good. Yo, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back. You know, don't look at me like you don't know the song. Some of you I know don't, but a lot of you in this room have it memorized, and we'll sing it after church today. Um, but fun ways to make an announcement. We had an announcement uh, this week, a new birth in the Nazarene world. Uh, Jeffrey's brother, Michael, his son, Chad, they were blessed with a brand new baby, Reston Adams Johnson. Oh, it's, yeah, I don't know if it, we don't have pictures, but... Uh, Beautiful boy, and I, I saw just a cool, uh, just a cool caption on, on one of the pictures uh, with, with Reston, and it basically, I think it was from Jana that said, he's going to be a world changer. He's going to be a world changer. This announcement that Jesus is making, it's not only a great announcement, it's not just a good announcement, it's a world changer, folks. It changes everything. When freedom comes, when it hits your world and hits our world, it changes everything, and this is good news. This is good news. And the good news is it's not just for insiders. It's not just for those who have grown up in the church. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Because I kind of feel like that there's some insiders and there's some outsiders that kind of know the lingo, that know when to wear suits and knots. There's insiders and outsiders in a lot of things. In the world that we live in, uh, way back when there were these things called push-button phones. Do you remember those that had the, the buttons? I was like one of the last people on the planet to resist the touch screen. I was like, I like to feel the buttons. It just kind of, you know, I know that I'm touching the right button. And you would talk to these people, these Mac people and others that were like, man, why, I don't even know how you're living like this. You're like, it's like the Stone Age or something with your phone. I mean, you should come to the inside, come to our world where everything is better. And you, when you get actually the phone that's the touch screen, you're like, it, it is. It just blows your mind. You're like, how did I ever live like this before? And it, it happens this way in other areas with technology as well. With Facebook, most of us, I think, in the room are, are in the Facebook world. Now, about four or five years ago, my mom was a kind of a Facebook Sorry, Mom. Facebook uh, stalker, and um, <laughs> she resisted Facebook, okay? I oh, don't have anything to do with that Facebook. Uh, you know, it's, and she would somehow, she somehow managed to steal my sister's Facebook account name and password, and so she was on and kind of on Facebook, but it wasn't until this last, I think two years ago, she said, I'm making the plunge. I'm going to be an insider now. This Facebook's pretty cool. And so now she's embraced it. Now my father, a little slower on that. Now he's on the, hey, what's your password? What's your name? Some of you guys have come on the inside of Facebook and seen what that's like. It's the same thing with shows as well, TV shows. Have you ever talked to someone and they are so excited about their show? It's the greatest show ever. Uh, shows like, what's some of the ones? Right now, it's this Game of Thrones, which I've never seen. People are just so excited about this. This is the greatest. You've got to watch Game of Thrones. Just gotta, okay, calm down a little bit. Walking Dead is this show about zombies. I'm going to be honest. There's some of you that know what I'm talking about. Um, I heard about this show for three or four years, and I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It's zombies. I don't, even, I don't like scary movies. I have to have Melanie, like, Hold me, and uh, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing, uh, with scary stuff. And uh, so I'm not going to watch that. That's just. And then the Super Bowl happened this year, and they had a marathon. One of those, all they, they catch up everybody in the seasons. And I caught like the third episode. I'm just going to flip on there and see what this is about. And suddenly, five minutes turned to 15 minutes, and 15 minutes turned to an hour, an hour turned to, I had caught up all three seasons in like two weeks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, binge watching for, what is it, the Netflix stuff, if you have Netflix, just suddenly, and then you're an insider, you're like, you have to watch The Walking Dead, it's the greatest show ever. You know what I'm talking about? Shake your heads if you do, okay, and I, I wasn't going to say it, but I even participate with some of you in this room who will be nameless in a Walking Dead experience where zombies are chasing you, 
You're running around the Reliance Center. I know it's childish. I know it's gross. I get it. I, I. Now, I'll tell you this, though. There's one show that I refuse, refuse to watch. It's this Downtown Abbey show. <laughs> Downton, Downton Abbey. I am not going to watch this show, and this is why I'm not going to watch this show. I know that if I watch it, then I will love it. All right? I will love it. Then I will be on the insiders of this Downton Abbey, and I'll start to try to talk with an English accent, and no one will understand me, okay? I do not want to be an insider for Downton Abbey. I, 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 just, I just don't. I don't get it. And I don't want to get it, okay? And I don't know if we have, uh, in this world that we live in, people that are kind of the same way. I don't get it. I don't get this whole thing. And I don't want to get it, okay? In fact, it's great for you. I'm happy for you and your Downton Abbey peoples, okay? And your accents. But it's not for me. This Jesus thing, this stuff... That's great for you. I'm happy for you. But, you know, it's, it's not for me. The joy is this. The joy that we have as the people of God, the community of God, is that we get to be the announcers. We get to be the people that are, come on, come, if you knew, if you knew what this Jesus was all about, if you could really see and you could get it, if you could understand it with your heart, if, you, if, if your eyes would open up to it, and I know that we're not saying these things out loud, but that's what we want to say. If you got it, if you really got it, you would never want to go back. You would never want to go back. And God gives us the privilege to be a part of this announcing team. I love it in 2 Corinthians. He says this in chapter 5. He says, this is Paul talking, if it seems like we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Now what he's saying is this. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes we're a little crazy as Christians, okay? We do some crazy stuff. I, I, and there's just a few examples. I, I'm sitting in a, a coffee shop yesterday, and I've got my computer, and I'm typing away. And suddenly this, this guy, I think he was a coach because it said coach across his shirt. And there was this young guy uh, that came into this coffee shop. They sat down. They opened up their Bibles in the middle of the coffee shop. And suddenly coach just started talking about Jesus. I mean, loudly. And he started reading scripture. And they started praying right there in the middle of the coffee shop. When he said Jesus for the first time in a non-cussing way, the whole place stopped. It was just like a pin drop in there. And I wasn't the only one that was spying on the situation. We're kind of crazy. We do some crazy stuff. Our, Taylor's not here this morning, but uh, he had to, to go to a funeral uh, for his girlfriend's uh, grandmother. But Taylor did some crazy thing about four years ago. He's getting ready to go to UT on a scholarship, University of Texas, but suddenly he feels God calling him. And, and he was saying, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to this little school in Bethany, Oklahoma. And God's calling me to something bigger. And, and in the middle of the summer, before he goes to the University of Texas, he says, you know what? Scholarships, Austin, this is where God's leading me. You're, what are you talking about? You're the salutatorian of your high school. What are you doing? We do crazy stuff. We, we heard about a couple of, a couple of weeks ago that have given up their jobs in the real world, and they're going to the Ukraine to make a difference for the kingdom, to announce the kingdom. I was in a, in a meeting this year at Wilburn Elementary, which we've adopted and we're trying to just love on kids there and, and, and teachers. And it was a PTO uh, meeting after school. Pastor Garen had to, to be somewhere else. So I, I volunteered, I'll, I'll go check it out. So I just sat at a, a fly on the wall. And they get to this section where they start talking about when we need to nominate volunteers of the month. And, uh, well, we should nominate, and I'm not going to say the couple's name. Well, we should definitely nominate this couple. And somebody chimes in and says, well, if we nominate that couple, I mean, we just need to vote them every year, or every, every month. We should make them volunteers of the month every month. Because these, this couple, they show up all during the week. They show up to the library, 
and they restock books. They help the librarian. They, they're coming out and they're planting flowers in the front. They're, they're there all the time. We can't get rid of these people. And somebody chimes in and says, well, do they, who are their kids at the school? And someone else says, they don't have any kids here. <laughs> well, I, I think they're from that church. And they just love kids. And I'm just sitting in the back going, I didn't say a word. I'm just beaming. I'm just beaming. It's crazy. You're giving up your time, giving up your talent to announce this, be a part of this whole this kingdom thing, That's that, the Jesus thing. It's, it's crazy. God calls us to be a little crazy sometimes. If, if we're crazy, it's for your benefit. It's in our, for our right minds. It's for your sake. And what's happening here? As, as we get to be the announcers, we get to be a part of God's story. We keep reading in 2 Corinthians, it says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. For God was in Christ, this is verse 19, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. It's the year of Jubilee. Debt is gone, folks. Sin can be gone. It's all because of this Jesus. He didn't just announce it. He became the announcement, the personification of grace in the year of grace. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are his announcers. We are his tellers of grace in this world because God is making his appeal through us, through us, through you and through me. He's passing this on, this joy of being an announcer. Now let's go back to, to Isaiah 61.3. We made this announcement. We've talked about, we've seen this vision of what it looks like to go from before and after, to be in darkness and to light, to be someone that was blind and now can see. And I love this phrase too, from go, to go from despair to jubilant praise. Despair to jubilant praise. And we keep reading down and it says this in 61.3, In their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Who is the they in this? They will become like great oaks. He takes the broken. He takes the blind. He takes the people that have li lives that are shattered, and he makes them into great oaks. That's us, folks. I don't know about you, but I haven't always had my life together. And maybe you're just young enough in the faith that you can remember back to a time when you didn't have things together. Whoop! That would be a bad way to start. <laughs> There are times, though, when we look back and say, you know what? I haven't been the person that you see today. I was pretty messed up before Jesus. I was pretty messed up. He uses the broken, and he changes them to great oaks of righteousness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, my friend, are an oak. An oak. Can you do that? This is a especially effective, ladies, if you're telling your husband you are an oak, that just feels good. All right? It also reminds us of Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Uh, you remember that scene? Wow, Wyatt, you are an oak. All right. Ask Pastor Jeffrey about that. Um, but they're oaks. He transforms us into oaks. A couple of pictures here. I don't know where you are in the oak process. Uh, but he wants to transform us into people that are moved easily by the circumstances of life to being people that are firm in the faith. People that are not easily swayed by stuff that comes up every day and every week. We get to be a part of this transformative life, this announcement that Jesus makes. He wants to use us to be his announcers. Now, as I've thought about this, what does this look like for us? What does this look like for us as we are the announcers and builders of the kingdom? We get to build the kingdom of God. We get to do that. How does that look? A couple of pictures that I've had in my mind this, from this last year, pictures that have kind of rocked my world. 
uh, celebration Sunday we had several months back. I got to stand, I think, somewhere back in that corner a couple of times. And I have to tell you, if you weren't with us, this is a day, basically, we just had a party. We just had a party, and we celebrated what God has done in people's lives. We heard great stories of changed lives, and we just celebrated. We remembered what God has done for us. And when we do that, despair turns into jubilant praise. Our lives are totally changed when we remember what Christ has done for us. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes this world has an effect on us. It, It helps us to forget And that's been our story along the way as well. Easily forgetting what God has done. But when we celebrate, when we gather in this place, not just on amazing days like this, but every Sunday we have a chance to worship, to remember, to remember God's grace, that this is the year of God's grace. Right now, the kingdom of God is here, and it is active. Amazing day that day. And it just began to just fill me as we... We are called to celebrate. We're called to remember. There's another uh, day that just jumped in my mind from the last year, and I got just a pos- there we go some pictures from uh, from the Easter party that we had, and we also had a fall festival. We basically said, you know what, we had these things here, but you know what we should think about doing? Let's go out there. Let's go out there where the outsiders live. Let's go out into their world and just love people. Just love people. And you were a part of that. I love that picture of you, Jack. Um, And yes, I did put it in there. Um, But it was an amazing day. And I just, this was actually the scene that I kind of had from the gazebo. I stopped. I had Briley. I'm just holding Quinn. And uh, I'm looking out and just seeing this, this sea of people, young people, old people, Middle-aged people, white people, black people, Hispanic people, everybody was there. It was a scene of just amazing grace and love, just people having a great time and just sharing the joy of Christ everywhere. And you were a part of it. I think God gave us a, a glimpse that day of what he can do because of the kingdom. And another day, as, as, we, as we look, Another day that we had that just kind of sticks out in my mind from this last year. It was a day where right, there was a table that was here in the front. I don't know if you remember that, if you were here that Sunday. But basically we had this giant table. And we talked about this lost story of the lost son. And we invited people to be a part of this fellowship, this community of people of grace. That this isn't just for the insiders. This is for everyone. And we're inviting people to the party. And this comes with this authentic community. There's people that come together and they eat together and they eat this amazing meal. And I, I don't know if you remember back in the day in Acts, the disciples, they didn't have nice buildings to meet in. They had these things called love feasts. That's what they would call them. They would meet in people's homes. I know that sounds kind of hippie-ish, doesn't it? Love feasts. But uh, they'd meet in people's homes and they would break bread together and they would read scripture and they would talk theology and they would sing and the Spirit would show up, and amazing things happened. When we get to the table with one another, when we begin to remember, when we begin to speak of our Lord, amazing things happen. People seek and desire community and fellowship. They want authentic community in our world today. That's what people are looking for. That's what God has called us as a community of God. We've seen these pictures in this last year, And I don't know about you, it's given me a glimpse of what God can do for the future. I'm excited about what God's going to do as he's called us, HFC, to be announcers, to be builders, to be advancers of the kingdom of God, not only in this community, but in the world and in the city. And he has big dreams for us. I've had the privilege, or I have the privilege, of following two pretty amazing visionary pastors. I don't know if you know this. I think someone told me this is the only the third installation that we've had in 26 years, something like that. We've had two amazing pastors in the last uh, several decades that have done great things for this church and our community. Uh, two, uh, two pastors ago, Pastor Keith Newman was a part of seeing the church come to this location. He talked to me this week about a famous Saturday board meeting 
when they came together and said, we've got to get out of the rental property that we're at. We've, we've got to, we've got to, there's got to be somewhere else that God's leading us. And they came together and they said, you know what? What would be ideal? We can't get on the Beltway, which was not even really the Beltway yet, but uh, we can't really get on 290 frontage. We're just looking for something, about five acres, and if we can pay $500,000, that, that would be pretty amazing. Well, God blew that away because God gave us 12 acres, 12 acres right on the Beltway for $221,000. There's a group of people that were there. I don't know if you can see yourself in that picture or if you'd like to see other people 20 years ago. Uh, we'll show you this afterwards. But a people that had a vision for what God could do in this community, in this location, this place. Big dreams, big dreams. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, there's a couple of pictures. This is the Beltway back then. I don't know, you can't really see any houses. There certainly isn't a Wendy's over there uh, or a Chipotle, which I am a big fan of. Uh, but in this picture, you kind of see just how undeveloped it was. A couple of aerial pictures of where we're at today. This is our church. Boom, there. Uh, someone's red car was parked there that day. Uh, but here we are in, in our property, and we are neighboring a whole community. Here we are again. And this is all developed, thousands and thousands of houses. Okay, let's go one more. And uh, we've got to find ourselves again. Over here, there we are in the middle. And this whole section, I know it's hard to see, but this whole section, that's nothing but houses, communities that are there. We are positioned in a perfect place to be the church, the announcers, the builders of the kingdom in this community. Oh, it's exciting to see what God can do as we get out into the world, as we announce, as we love, as we teach, as we tell, as we live this story of who Jesus is. And Pastor Keith, Keith led us to that place. We also had another visionary pastor, Pastor Jeffrey, and a lot of you under his ministry have come to know the Lord for the very first time. And it's exciting to see what God has done in the last 12 years of his ministry here. Lives changed. I love hearing stories of what God's done in the last few years. To see things like Celebrate Recovery. To see things like uh, serve projects in and outside of our church. Becoming the people that are not just worried about being in here and being a, an us church, being an out there church. And uh, had a vision for where God could take us in the future. Now we've taken a, a few acres that we had here. We, we used to have 12. Now we have eight, but that eight is not, that's plenty of room for us, what God's called us to do here. And now we have 17 more acres at another location at the new Beltway. Do you see how this is all, we came here, one Beltway, now we're to the new, next awesome Beltway. Do you see what God's doing? How he's going to expand and use us, not just for this community, not just in your circles, but for the city. God has big plans for us as a people. Man, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. And I have to tell you, I feel so privileged to get to do it with you. Because I believe that we are in, in a great position because we have amazing people in this church that are forward thinking, that are thinking beyond us. They're thinking to the people that are the outsiders right now. But, oh, we want them to be on the inside, not just the inside of, of this building or us. It's not about a building, but a, inside of the kingdom, to get the kingdom, to realize it with their hearts that they can be free for the first time. It's a great, it's a great, great dream, and we get to do it together. Pastor Michelle this week, uh, she uh, brought the devotional for our staff meeting. And it's something that's really resonated me, with me this whole week. Michelle, she talked about, uh, in Andy Stanley's book, Deep and Wide, you know, when we think back to the first church, to, to, to Peter and John, who were in prison. They were, why were they in prison? Because they were crazy in love with Jesus, and they spoke his name, and lives were changed. And the, the people, the, the hierarchy of the, the church at the time, they didn't like it. So they arrested them, they beat them, and they told them this. Do not speak of that name any longer. Don't speak of this the way any longer. Go, get out of here. And they were released. And they go back to maybe what was the first prayer meeting that day and that time and what we see recorded in Acts. And they come together in this place. And what did they pray for 
that day. And in the study, she asked us, well, what did we pray for that day? What have we been praying for? And you think about what we pray for sometimes and what I'm guilty of praying for sometimes. I pray for protection, for safety. You know, in Andy's book, he says this, we live in America. I wonder what people from other countries think of when we pray for protection. Seems kind of a lame prayer. But I pray for it all the time. We pray for blessings. But man, aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed? What did they pray for? These guys that were just beaten for the faith. These guys that were just said, you know what? If you say that name one more time, it could be else for you. It could be the end. They got into a room and they prayed for boldness. God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. That's my prayer for us. My prayer is that we wouldn't be satisfied. We wouldn't be satisfied with just us playing church. Not just playing, but just just every week church. I'm praying for boldness for us as a people that God would expand our territory outside of this wall and that we, we wouldn't be a church of walls, but we would be a movement for the kingdom of God, that we would be announcers and advancers for the kingdom, that we would see his kingdom built, not only in this community, but in the city. The song we sang earlier, and I think it just kind of sums up everything that uh, God's called us to be in this, this whole chapter, this whole Isaiah passage, just build your kingdom. Hear the words this morning as we get ready to sing. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil while we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives for, our, for your, our joy, and our prize. To see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. We pray revive this earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and our land. Set our church on fire. Win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here. Unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and the far. No force of hell can stop your beauty changing hearts. You made us for more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and the love of Christ. We are your church. We are the hope on the earth. Build your kingdom here. And that is our prayer today that the kingdom of God would be built. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you that, that you have spoken life into us. You have announced your kingdom in this world, and you lived that out. You called your shot, and you came and you lived it. You taught it, and then eventually you died so that we could have life. Thank you so much for your, the freedom that you give us. Thank you for the mission that you have given us as a church, not to be satisfied, not to sit back, but to be the, the people of God that have called, been called to announce your grace and your love in this world. We are your ambassadors. We are your announcers, God. And God, we are so grateful. Lord, we are so thankful to be a part of your mission. Oh, Jesus, give us boldness. Give us boldness in our world, in our circles, in this place, in, in, in places we have not yet dreamed about yet. God, meet with us. We love you and we praise things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? And let's just sing that as a declaration that we want God to build his kingdom here in us and through us. Sing with me. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope. 
Look wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us. So we seek your kingdom first, and we hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize to see the captive hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor at peace. We lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church and we pray revive this earth. Yeah, build your kingdom here, so build your kingdom here, let the darkness be, show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land, set your words on fire, win this nation back, change the atmosphere, build your kingdom. We pray, unleash your kingdom's power, unleash your kingdom's power, reaching the near and far, no force of hell can stop your beauty changing heart, you made us for much more than this, awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. We are your church, and we are the hope on earth. So build your kingdom here, and let the darkness be. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets. the darkness fear show your mighty hand heal our streets and land set your church on fire win this nation back change the atmosphere build your kingdom here we pray You can be seated. I just thought of another way that the pastor could be let go pretty early if he leaves his microphone on as we're singing uh, every Sunday. <laughs> could be a bad one. Uh, it was a year ago, uh, actually I think this Sunday, that Pastor Jeffrey, this was his uh, last Sunday as our pastor here at HFC, and he uh, took the position, took the call as being the district superintendent of the South Texas District. That means he is responsible for 90 churches around the area. Pretty amazing stuff. He went from that day, he went from being Pastor Jeffrey or PJ to Dr. Johnson. <laughs> and now that you're really my boss, you are Dr. Johnson, uh, boss again, I guess. Uh, and he is with us today as a special guest, and he is got his family with us, and we're so blessed to have them. And he's done an amazing job this last year as our DS. I don't know if you were at District Assembly, but uh, best district assembly, de best des district uh, superintendent sermon that I have ever heard. The place was on fire. It, and uh, so would you welcome him as uh, we turn the service over to him? <laughs> Stay up here, Matt. 
Matt, stand for with me. Just in case we start crying or something. Hey, you're a great-looking crowd today. It's so good to to be with you, and um, I would have uh, a lot to say, but we've already heard a great word from the Lord. And um, this is a very special day. Uh, June 1st means a lot to me, and um, first of all, because 29 years ago today, I, uh, as a as a young boy, married married an amazing woman. 29 years ago today. And um, I'm probably still a boy, and she's still an amazing woman. So. And then a year ago today, as Pastor Matt mentioned, uh, was our last uh, Sunday with you officially as, as pastor. And the, the amount of grace and peace and strength and love that you poured into our lives for 12 and a half years um, is more than uh, than we ever deserved and more than we can ever express how grateful we are for that. And uh, you're just a wonderful, wonderful congregation, a wonderful church. And um, I bless you and thank God for you. And I do greet you on behalf of uh, your 93 sister congregations across South Texas today. And now June 1st has another great meaning because I get to uh, have the privilege of... Uh, installing my fellow elder and brother in the Lord and most importantly my friend Matt Hawkins as your senior pastor. So Matt come and stand beside me here. You can be seated, and uh, please, uh, please take this uh, program liturgy that you were, you were given as you came in today. If you don't have one, please share along with a neighbor because this is meant for all of us to participate. If you're a guest with us today, this is just going to take a few minutes, and, um, and we'll be moving on to a time of uh, fellowship and celebration. For 20 centuries now, in every generation, the church has set aside some of her members for special training and preparation, ordaining them to serve as clergy. And she elects them to positions of responsibility, not privilege. And they are to serve the needs of the church. And these ministers give up their lives, so to speak, for their lives are not their own. They serve if and when and where and in the capacities the church invites them to serve. They are the servants of God. The church ordains only those whom she believes God has called to such service. I would like now for the uh, Houston First Church Board to please stand wherever you are. Take your program and, and follow with me. I'd like for them to share a declaration of commitment to our, to our pastor. Will you pledge your mutual support and commitment to your pastor for the ongoing work of this local church. Please remain standing. And now I'd like for all the life group leaders, uh, please stand, pastoral staff, and any other ministry leaders. If you teach children or youth or lead a ministry that's a part of Houston First, please stand. I'd like for you also to share a declaration of covenant. Will you pledge your talents and time and energies to this local church and commit to, pass, to the pastoral leadership in the true spirit of Christian worship? This we will do. Remain standing, and I'd like now the congregation, all of you to stand. Will you please make this uh, affirmation with me? Will you affirm that you believe that Reverend Matthew Hawkins and Houston First Church of the Nazarene are to be workers together in the providence of God. This we do believe. Will you support this pastor with respect, loyalty, love, and fervent prayer? This we will do. Will you receive the pastor's family members as members of your own family of faith and love and pray for them as your own? 
Will you give sacrificially of your means so that this pastor can give his necessary attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word? And will you respond to pastoral leadership by vigorous participation in the congregational life of this church as it carries out its mission of making Christ-like disciples in the nations? Now hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, the apostle Paul wrote, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. And now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And now we listen to Pastor Matt as he makes covenant with you. In response to the gracious call of God and in gratitude for the confidence you have expressed in me, I pledge to you a stewardship of my responsibilities as pastor to live before you with integrity and Christian simplicity, to administer the affairs of the church in consultation and cooperation with the church board, the church staff, and the people of the congregation as I carry the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, to lead you in worship as a worshiping leader, developing a careful regimen of study, prayer, reflection, and preparation for the purposes of personal growth and ministry, to encourage you, to comfort you, to instruct you and challenge you by the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments, to seek always and in appropriate ways to expand the borders of the kingdom of God cooperating with the district and the general church of the Nazarene in fulfilling a worldwide mission to live with my family role responsibly, giving to each member the care and love due them as a gift of God to me, to listen carefully to you, care deeply for you, work closely with you, and pray daily for you, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, to be a servant leader after the example of Christ pastor having committed yourself to this work I charge you to care alike for the young and the old strong and weak rich and poor and by your words and life proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and now church since you have willingly and prayerfully called Reverend Matthew Hawkins to work among you I charge you to willingly and prayerfully support cooperate and work together with him in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you both serve. Amen. We shall strive to cooperatively create and sustain an effective ministry that will renew and strengthen each member of this community of faith. We shall actively seek and welcome into membership all persons without regard to their economic, social status, race, or nationality. We shall accept our responsibility for moral and spiritual development in our community, living by Christian standards of good citizenship. We shall work together with other churches, denominations in our community for the advancement of Christ's kingdom whenever we have the opportunity to do so. We shall periodically evaluate our church's fellowship and ministry in light of our mission. 
If problems present barriers to the mutual effectiveness, pastor and congregation, we shall cooperatively pray, faithfully communicate, and work in love to find solutions in spirit of Christian understanding. And we shall all work to ensure that our church appropriately relates itself to the mission, institutions, and doctrines of the Church of the Nazarene and the redemptive mission of Christ, our community, our nation, and the world. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Matt to step down front and center and ask Melanie to come join him. I'm going to ask Julie to step in beside uh, Melanie. And then uh, and I want to invite now all the, the church board and the pastoral staff and ministry leaders to just come in close and gather around your pastor and his wife here at this moment. And it's good to put a hand on the shoulder next to you and just uh, let that be a symbol and sign of God's presence and the common love we have in him. And now for the congregation, I just want you to bow your heads and stretch out your hand towards your pastor, a sign of your, your blessing on them. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness and goodness and your presence in our lives. The presence of your spirit among us is what makes us different than any other group that's gathered in any place this morning. It's your presence and what Jesus Christ has done in and through us that makes all the difference. And we thank you for that reality today. And now, Lord, I thank you so much for what uh, this moment and this day means. It means that you have been faithful and you have been at work in your church. And you have brought this moment about. It is the leadership of your Holy Spirit followed by your people that have, that have brought us to this place in this time and to the installation of Matt Hawkins as a pastor of this church. And Father, I, I thank you for Matt and for Melanie. I thank you, first of all, for what you've done in their hearts and lives, and I thank you for who they are. They are people of integrity and love and grace, and I pray that that will only increase in their lives in the days that go forward. And I pray that you will bless, bless Pastor Matt as a leader, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a brother and a friend. I pray that you will, you will bless him as a husband and a father. I pray that you will give Melanie the strength and wisdom that she needs to, to know exactly what you call her to. And I pray that you will bind us all together as a church congregation to come together as we've declared today for your sake, for the kingdom of God and to teach others and show others who you are. And Father, I believe with my whole heart that the best days of this church are in front of us. You are going to do a new thing. You are going to do amazing things. There are people here gathered in this place whose lives you've radically changed and people that you are restoring to new life even today. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, outside of these walls in this immediate community and in the larger part of Houston that lives are going to be changed because of what you do through this church. We thank you and we recognize that this is not the only church. This is just a small part of your kingdom, but it's a very significant part, Lord. And you have blessed this church in the past. You are here now, and you are guiding the future. And I thank you again for Pastor Matt, for who he is, for, for the fact that he has surrendered his life to your calling, and you are going to anoint him and use him in an amazing way. And we thank you for all of this. We thank you for this moment. I thank you for these leaders, for this congregation. We thank you for your presence here today. And may we truly be the announcers of the good news of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Lord be with you. Now, I'm told that we need to just uh, hang out here for a moment. And uh, there's a presentation that... Uh, Johnny Wagner representing the church board and church family Y'all can sit down. wants to make.
Have a seat. Don't sit down. Can y'all hear me okay? Can you hear me back there? Wow, I got a lot of things I could say, but uh, I know I'm standing in the way of lunch, so I'll be brief. Um, Michelle asked me to, to stand up here, and uh, we've got a gift for uh, Matt and Melanie. Before they even started the job, they were actually getting gifts. So, um, And, you know, I'm really honored to represent this board that, that stood a few minutes ago, an amazing board of, of servants um, just through the whole process. And speaking of amazing, this man's dedication and faith through this process has been nothing but amazing. Um, so, again, I'm honored to represent the board. I'm privileged to uh, honor my good friend and our new senior pastor, Matt Hawkins, and Melanie and the children with a gift. You know, my wife, she's always teasing me about gifts, and, you know, I buy gifts, and I have a hard time not giving them right away. I can't wait to present them, and so I'm happy to give you a gift. Um, but before I do, the truth is actually, uh, let me just tell the truth. We're the ones getting the gift, okay? The gift is Pastor Matt Hawkins, the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our Lord and Savior that, uh, that has blessed us with you as our new senior pastor, so, um, and uh, we're just so blessed to have you, so, um, and you don't have to take, you don't have to take this immediately, you may want to, but anytime, um, you've got, from our board and our staff, you've got four one-year passes to SeaWorld uh, and Aquatic, um, Aquatica is what they call it, and, and San Antonio with free parking. And there's also a $1,000 check to be used for your hotel and meal and all that good stuff. So uh, we're just excited that God has blessed us with you. So, Would you stand with me? I'm so thankful for Pastor Matt. And I'm thankful that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever dream or imagine. Our God is indeed able. So as we close this service, let's just start with God is with us. He is on our side and he will make a way.